Hey, this is Becca Irway. I'm the worship pastor of Pathway Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and starts you on a path of purpose. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning, Pathway. It is so good to see everybody. I mean, you like guys are looking good, and uh, just so honored that you're here with us. If you're a first-time guest, just want to personally welcome you, say thank you so much for coming and checking us out today. My name is Brian. I'm the pastor, and uh, we are almost a year and a half old as a church, so really exciting stuff. And uh, so, hey, if you're new, yeah, you can clap for that. That's good. Uh, if you're new, you fit right in. So, uh, man, we're all new too. So, anyway, we're so glad that you're here. Last week, we kicked off uh, a brand new series that's going to take us through March called We Can't Stay Here. And we're looking at five main reasons why we can't stay here. And these are not just things for us as a church, but for, I believe, you and your family personally. And last week, we kicked it off with what I think is the foundation, which is that good is the enemy of great. And there's a great book called Good is uh, the enemy of great, and it's a great book. But, but for us in our lives, I believe that God isn't just a good God. I believe he is a great God. I don't think that God wants good things for me. I believe God wants great things for me. And not only for me, but for my family and my life and even my kids. And I think God wants great things for us as a church family. He's not just good and does good. No, he is great and does awesome things. And so really, that's the foundational principle. And then today, we want to kind of build on that with I think, again, is one of the most important things that we're going to talk about really is the why behind the what of everything that we do at Pathway. And even if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, this should be the why behind everything you do as a follower of Jesus. At Pathway, we say this every single week, all the time. Our whole purpose, what we're all about, is leading people on the path of purpose. That's what we're all about. And today, we're going to drill down on that, on what that actually means. What When we say that, what does that look like? Leading people on the path of purpose. And so we're going to look at that today and really, really excited about this. You can check this out in Romans chapter 10 in the New Testament. The Bible has the Old Testament and the New Testament. Romans is the uh, sixth book in the New Testament. So if you brought your Bible, we encourage you to bring your Bible. If not and you're new, that's okay. No sweat, no pressure. It's going to be on the screens. This is also a great time to download the Pathway app in the App Store. It is totally free. All you got to do is look for your Pathway Church, find our icon, click on that, and then Uh, Once that's downloaded, you can follow along, click Sunday Notes, and everything that is going to be on the screen, you can have, and you can take your own notes, and uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Romans chapter 10, it's called Romans because the guy that wrote it is a guy named Paul. This guy was uh, a a pastor, he was a missionary, he was also a guy that went around and started churches, kind of like how we started Pathway. This guy started churches all over Europe and the Middle East. He, He did amazing, amazing things for God, wrote a lot of the New Testament. Testament that we have of the Bible, brilliant scholar, theologian, all this amazing stuff. Romans, this this letter that he writes, he's writing it to a bunch of followers of Jesus or Christians that lived in Rome. That's why. It's not like to the Roman army or anything like that. That's why it's called Romans. He's writing to the Christians who lived in Rome. And he's ho- he's never been there, but he's hoping to go. He writes this amazing letter. It's probably the most powerful letter, I think, maybe even in the whole Bible, to be honest with you. It's really powerful stuff. But check out Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 15. This guy Paul is writing and he says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? 
Well, and then how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? What's really amazing that he says, he says, man, guys, this is so cool. He's writing to a bunch of Christians. And so he says, look, here's the really exciting thing. Here's the amazing news of the day is that literally anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. They don't have to go to a 10-week class. They don't have to be a member of a church. They don't even have to read the Bible. All they have to say is, Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I need help. I need hope. I need peace. And instantly, they're saved. It doesn't matter, you know, their church background or religious background. It doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter if they're educated or uneducated, if they're wealthy or poor. All that matters is that in that moment, when they're desperate, they just say, Jesus, save me, and instantly they're saved. He said, man, this is exciting stuff. It's so simple. Like, it's straightforward. They don't have to be a member, go through all these hoops. It's that simple. He says, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Now, that word saved, if if you're new to to being a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not even a follower and you're just here because somebody bribed you with lunch today, just to to help unpack that word a little bit, it's one word that kind of has a dual meaning, and both meanings are equally powerful. A lot of times people think that that word saved means that they're saved from hell, and that's absolutely true. We'll talk about that in a moment. That when you're saved, that you have been saved from eternal destruction and eternal separation from God in hell. That's part of what saved means. But that's just half of it, and that's a big half. But the other half, I believe, is equally as important, and the other half means that not only have I been saved from separation from God in hell, but now I'm also saved to God. If I had a chair up here today, and I had the word reserved on it, or in other words, saved on it, none of you would hopefully sit in that chair out of the good manners that I know you were raised in, right? Like, you're not going to sit in a chair that says reserved. Because you're thinking someone else has a unique, specific purpose for that chair. It's saved for a unique purpose. Listen, when you get saved or you become a follower of Jesus, not only are you saved from hell, but now you are saved for God's unique purpose for your life. That God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. You're saved. You're reserved for God. Not for anyone else or anything else. Now you have been saved, set apart for God. So this guy, Paul, writing to Christians in Rome says, hey, here's the really good news. This is the best news that you'll ever hear in your life. Literally anybody, doesn't matter what's going on, where they're at, what they think, whatever. As long as they say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Instantly they're saved. That's the good news. But, and that's a big but. He says, but, the problem is, to follow that up, how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about Jesus? And how can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them about Jesus? So now he says we we almost have a problem here because the good news is literally the life-changing news is that anyone can be a follower of Jesus. They can know salvation. They can know hope and joy and peace and forgiveness instantly. But they'll never know that if no one ever tells them. That's the problem. And that's why we can't stay here. We can't stay here, not only as a church, but only in your life as well. Because I believe there are, you might call them unchurched or unchristian, whatever word you want to call lost was the old term, whatever. But people who don't know Jesus, that's what I call them, don't have a relationship with Jesus. Like, that's why we can't stay here. And that's what today is all about. That's what Romans chapter 10, 13 to 15 is all about. We can't stay here because there's too many people who don't know Jesus. And how are they going to know unless we tell them. 
That's what he's talking about. So there's a couple of principles that stand out to me. And the first one is that our purpose is too important to ignore. Our purpose as followers of Jesus is way too important to ignore. It's way too important to say, oh, well, the pastor can do that or, well, so-and-so can do that. No, our purpose. You say, well, what is our purpose? I believe this with all my heart. I believe the Bible teaches this, that you, every human being that was ever created, was created for one main purpose, not to make money, not to be a great spouse, not to be a great parent, not to be a great boss or employee. All that's fine. That's important. But I believe every human being was created for one main purpose. That is this to have a relationship with the creator that made them, who is God, Jesus in the flesh. I believe your purpose in life, your number one main purpose is to have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't say go to church. I didn't say do religion. A daily active relationship with Jesus. That's what your purpose is. Then when you've got that purpose figured out, then you can be an awesome boss or an awesome employee or an awesome mom, an awesome dad, an awesome husband or wife. Then every other relationship in your life will begin to fall into place and begin to make sense because you've got your purpose figured out. And that is to have a relationship with Jesus. A lot of us think our purpose is to make money and it's not. It's a relationship with Jesus. Then he will help us make money, right? Like then he'll help us be a better husband or a better dad or whatever. But let's get that figured out first. So then we say, okay, well, man, Brian, I'm with you. I'm a follower of Jesus. I figured out my purpose. My purpose is to have a relationship with him. That's why I'm here today. That's great. Now, I would say this to you. Don't stop there. Now, your purpose is not only have a relationship with Jesus, but now that you have that, now your purpose is to always have that relationship with him, but help other people find their purpose as well. In other words, help other people find Jesus. Bring other people to Jesus. Now that you're good, you found your purpose, you know what joy and hope and peace and forgiveness is like, now don't keep that to yourself. Go and help other people find their purpose as well. So at Pathway, when we say leading people on the path of purpose, what we mean is leading people to the number one purpose of their life, that is Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about for us. Then, like, once, once I've done that, now my job is to help you do that. And then once you do that, you help other people, and so on. We want to lead as many people as possible to the purpose of their life. That is a relationship with Jesus. That is Pathway Church in a nutshell. Literally, as the pastor, I'm going to say this publicly, everything that we do revolves around that one thing. How many people can we lead to purpose with Jesus? That's what it's all about for us. So listen, I just want to encourage you. Are you doing that? You say, man, my relationship with Jesus is great, and I'm a follower of him, and everything is good. That's awesome. Congratulations. Here's a sticker. That's good. Now, the next step is who are you helping find their purpose in life? Who are you introducing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Don't keep it to yourself. Listen, I'm, I'm crazy enough to believe that what the Bible says, it means it. And so I believe personally that Jesus is who he says he was. I believe that anyone that can predict their death and resurrection in three days and pull it off, probably, like if you can do that, I'll probably believe in you too, to be honest with you. Like I'm just, I, you can say I'm gullible, I don't care. But Jesus said he was gonna die. He said in three days he'd come back to life. And sure enough, the guy pulled it off. It's amazing, it's cool. We're gonna celebrate that in a couple of weeks called Easter. So it's amazing stuff. So then I also believe the rest of the story that Jesus after that ascended to heaven, which is where he is now, and that he is preparing a place for his followers. I know it sounds crazy. It sounds like the sci-fi channel, but I believe it because Jesus said it. it's in the Bible. And so I also believe that Jesus is going to return to take all of his followers 
to be with him forever in heaven. I believe that. I know that sounds crazy. I believe it. Jesus said that. I believe it. So here's the thing. In the meantime, Jesus' very last words to his followers were not, go and build some awesome churches. I want you guys to go out, and I want you to, man, sing some really cool. I want you guys to go out and, and build mega church. I want you to go and, and do this awesome stuff. No, his last words were, go everywhere in the whole world and tell them about me. In other words, he's telling his followers, listen, guys, you found your purpose. You found your hope in me. Now, don't keep it to yourself. Go share that with as many people as possible in the whole planet. Those were his last words. Not, I want you guys to read the Bible five hours a day and pray for five hours a day and talk theology and doctrine. No, no, no. I want you to go tell people about the life-changing hope that I have brought to the world. That's Jesus' main mission for us. Listen, Jesus says for us today, listen, I don't want you as a follower of me to just kind of be sitting there, you know, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for my return. Well, I hope Jesus comes back today. I just, I'm just worried for the return of Jesus. No, Jesus, you've got a job to do, and it's a big job, and that is your purpose is too big to ignore in telling everyone about me. Prepare them for my return. That's what our job is. I believe this with all my heart. What you and I do, if you're a follower of Jesus, what we do, and I believe this, what we do here on a Sunday is more important, and when you throughout the week and you tell other people about Jesus, it is more important than any government, than any business, than any product, or any celebrity ever. Some of you, I know you love President Obama. Some of you hated him. Some of you love President Trump. Some of you hate him. Guess what? I don't care. I really could care less. What I do care about is if you're a follower of Jesus, are you telling other people about him? Are you preparing for his return? Are you helping them find their purpose and hope and joy and peace in Jesus? Because Obama didn't change my life. Trump didn't change my life. But Jesus did. That's the news. That's the hope. Man, that's what we got to be doing. Listen, like, you know I love Apple products. I'm the huge, biggest fan of anything Apple. If Apple, the iPhone, ran for president, I would vote for it. They might do a really good job. I just think they're great. But here's the deal. They, they changed kind of some of our world because think about life before iPhones. Think about life before smartphones. It was the dark ages. We didn't know what we were doing. We were lucky we could put pants on in the morning. It was just crazy. And now the iPhone has changed our life and, and iPads and MacBooks and all this amazing stuff. The cool thing is it has helped my life. It hadn't changed my life. I was okay before. It helped it, yeah, but it didn't change it. Jesus changed. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't just help my life. He changed my life. Jesus doesn't come just to help you be a better person. No, no, no. He comes to radically change you into his image to make you who he created you to be. That's what it's all about. You know, the other night I shared a few weeks ago, we were at a Thunder game, and, and we love the Thunder. If you want to give us free tickets, I'll give you my phone number and email address. And, and so we're at the Thunder game. Somebody gave us tickets, and, and, and they were great seats, and we're watching the game, and it was, a, it was a good game. And as we're watching it, everybody's cheering, you know, for Russell Westbrook and everybody, and they're just having a good time and watching the game. And I, you know, part of me, I was having this conversation in my mind, and, and I thought, man, I wish I was good at sports in my life. Like, that was honestly what I was thinking about. Like, I, why was I so lousy at sports? I just, I tried, just wasn't very good. I, I wish I could do that. It's just so cool. But then the other part of me said, hey, wait, because I talked to myself. So the other part of me said, hey, wait a minute. 
what you do as a follower of Jesus is way more important than what any guy on this court could do. It's way more important. Like, here's the cool thing. If the Thunder win the NBA Finals, and we hope they do, doesn't look like it right now, but we hope they do. If the Thunder win the NBA Finals, guess what? It will not change your life one bit. You're not going to get a ring, are you? Nope, just those five guys. You're not going to get to go, you know, take the day off work the next day unless you call in sick and the boss is going to know you're lying. So, well, Jesus, so don't do that. Like, it's not going to change your life if they win the NBA Finals. But listen, when you introduce Jesus to someone, he changes their life forever and ever and ever. Like, the thing is, if they win the NBA Finals, that's great for this year. What about next season? Not with Jesus. He changed me once and for all. I'll never be the same. I'll never go back. He has changed me in a way that religion never could or church never could or money never could or relationship never could. He changed me in a radical way. That's why your purpose is way too important to ignore. Don't ignore leading people on the path of purpose in a relationship with Jesus. Here's the next thing. This is the why behind it. This is why this is so important. Because I believe with all my heart, because Jesus said it in the New Testament, I believe that heaven is a real, literal, physical place. Just as we're in this high school cafeteria auditorium this morning, I believe that heaven is just as real as this cafeteria. I believe with all my heart. I believe heaven is not some mythical, spiritual place. I believe it's a physical, tangible place. But I also believe equally that if the heaven is real, hell is just as real. That doesn't get talked about as much because it's faux pas and make people uncomfortable, but it's true. That you can't have heaven without a hell. What is hell? Well, first, I think you have to understand heaven. What is heaven? The Bible talks about streets of gold and angels, and then it got warped into like, these little cute chubby babies with harps and wings on clouds, and that's really not in the Bible at all. Um, Heaven is simply this. It is God's unrestricted presence at all times. That's really what heaven is. You can talk about mansions and, you know, seeing your dead loved ones and all that's great, but it's really being with God unrestricted all the time. Just for a few moments ago, when we were singing worship, and man, God's presence was here, and it was powerful, and you could experience God. Time's like a billion, and that's kind of what heaven is like. I think scratching the surface. That's heaven, where you will live forever and ever. I believe that every human being that's ever lived on this planet was created to live forever. Not your physical body, it will die, but your soul inside of you, the real you, which is your soul, will live forever. God designed it to live forever. He designed it to live forever with him in heaven. But we have to understand hell. What is hell? Hell is the exact opposite of heaven. If heaven is God's unrestricted presence, then hell is the absolute avoidance of God's presence. Hell, you talk about, oh, there's flames and demons, and yes, all that is absolutely true. The Bible talks about this endless, bottomless pit that you're falling forever. It's dark, and there's demons, and there's fire, and all this horrific stuff. That's true. Let me tell you, to be totally honest with you, that's not the worst part about hell. That sounds pretty bad, and it is, but it's not the worst part. The worst part is that you are eternally separated from God forever and ever and ever. You have no hope to experience him again. Even if you're like an atheist, and you don't even believe in God, 
God today. I got news for you. You are still experiencing God's grace just by being alive. The air that you breathe, I believe God put that in your lungs. I believe that God has given you grace to experience him so you can have a relationship with him, even if you don't believe in him. But when you're in hell, that's it. That's it. You have no chance, no hope. God is not there at all. That's the reality of hell. I believe, because Jesus talks about it quite clearly, heaven is a real, literal, physical, tangible place just like this room, and so is hell. Hell is a real, literal, physical, tangible place just like this room. God did not design hell for people. He designed hell for demons who don't believe in him. That just happens to be the same place he'll put people who choose not to believe in him. You say, man, Brian, that's pretty harsh. I know it is, but that's the reality. That's why your mission, your purpose is too important to ignore. I believe this. Every human being in this room today, every human being that's ever lived has an expiration date on their life. Just like a gallon of milk. You're no better than a gallon of milk. They got an expiration date. You just can't see it. That at some point you will expire and you will die. You meant to live forever, your soul. Now the question is where? Are you going to live forever with God or totally without him? I believe the choice is up to you. I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus and you know this and you believe in this, and hopefully you do, if not, maybe we need to have a conversation. But, like, I hope you believe this. And if you do, now guess what? Man, that's great for you. What about everybody else in your family? What about everybody else that you know? Heaven and hell are real that's why your purpose is too important to ignore. I believe this. The church has to grow. The church must grow. I don't just mean pathway. I mean church capital C, like all churches. Here's the other thing. I encourage you. You have my permission. You don't even need my permission to do anything, by the way. But you have my full permission to tell your friends and family who don't know Jesus, hey, come check Check out Pathway with me some Sunday morning. I'll, you know, we'll pick you up. We'll go to lunch, whatever. Bring them here. And then afterwards, when you go to lunch and they say, yeah, I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Hey, this is what your response needs to be. What's wrong with you, you loser? No, no, no. Don't say that. Like, don't say that. Instead, your response needs to be, hey, that's okay. It's not for everybody. I understand that. I tell you what, for the next two weeks, I will go wherever you want to go. I don't care what church you do. I'll just go with you. Because I don't care necessarily about where you go. I just want you to go to a Bible-believing church that where, where you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. You got my permission to do that. Like, it ain't about pathway. It's about God's kingdom. It's about having people introduced to him. So listen, heaven and hell are real. The church has to grow. I've got news for you. You are God's plan A. God does not have a plan B. If you fail, there is no other option. There is no plan B. You are God's varsity squad. He doesn't have a JV. He doesn't have a bench. You are the starting team for God, the A team. You're varsity. Like, it is up to us. Heaven and hell are real places where people will spend eternity. Therefore, the church has to grow. Are we ashamed if a church grows? Absolutely not. Why? Because that means more people have a relationship with Jesus than they did last year or last month or last week. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm excited about that. That's what it's all about for us. The church must grow. What other option is there? If the church doesn't grow, what does that mean for society? What does that mean for people who are going to spend eternity in heaven or hell? There's no other option. There's no plan B. There's no, well, if they don't make it to heaven, there's kind of this in-between place. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't even talk about an in-between place. It's one or the other. The church must 
grow. We are not ashamed. That pathway will grow. We want it to grow. Why? Because we want to be a mega church and I want to be really famous. Absolutely not. I could care less about that because I want Jesus to be famous in my community, in my neighborhood. I want people to know him. The church has to grow. I want people to go to heaven and not hell. That's why it has to grow. There's no other option. It's that important. This is true as well. To not tell people about Jesus is the single most selfish thing you could ever do. To not tell people that Jesus can change their life just like he changed your life is the most selfish thing you could ever do. To know that, man, Jesus has radically changed me and I have a purpose now and I have hope, I have peace, I have forgiveness, I have joy. I can lay my head down at night and have peace and not be worried and stressed and all this and Yet, I know someone else that's going through similar stuff, and I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. That's the most selfish thing you could ever do. If you, as a follower of Jesus, really believe that heaven is real and hell is real, to not tell people about Jesus is incredibly selfish. There's not one thing you'll ever do as a human being that's more selfish than that. If you really believe heaven and hell are real, to not tell people about Jesus, selfish. Jesus wants to use you to tell those around you about him. Listen, we can't stay here because of the unchurched, because of those who don't know Jesus yet. By the way, listen, at Pathway, we said this last week, we did not design Pathway for church people. We didn't, and we hope, I hope we never do. We designed Pathway for unchurched people, for people who don't know Jesus yet. Everything that we do, you need to know this, everything that we do meticulously from the parking lot all the way in here to all the way back out again is meticulously planned and prayed over for one purpose, for those who don't know Jesus. Jesus. That's why. That's what it's all about. Like, that's our whole MO is for people who don't know Jesus. A lot of churches, I think they say, hey, if you want to know Jesus, you have to fit us. You have to look like us. You have to smell like us. You have to talk like us. Not at Pathway. We are inside out. We'll say, hey, what does it take for you to come to Jesus? We'll do anything we can to make it comfortable for you to know Jesus. Listen, I believe this. People who don't know Jesus when they're going to try a church on a Sunday, maybe for the first time in 10 years or ever, they're probably struggling in their life. They're probably having issues with their kids or marriage or job or whatever. And they wake up and they say, maybe on a Saturday, we're going to try a church. I've driven by Yukon Parkway. I've seen the flags outside. They meet in high school. If nothing else, I just want to see how you can have church in a high school cafeteria. Let's go check it out. I'd really believe this. Sunday morning rolls around. The alarm clock goes off. They hit snooze five times. Then I believe once they finally get up, they struggle getting their kids out of bed. Then there's fighting, and then they get in the car to come to church, and they're fighting with their spouse. They might even have a flat tire, whatever. All this horrible stuff happens. And then they get here, and the last thing on their mind is church or Jesus. It's all this other stuff. Maybe on their mind is... Yeah, you know what? I tried church when I was a kid. It was boring. I didn't understand what the guy was talking about. I didn't like it. It was, it was stuffy. You know, I just didn't, you know, or, or I had a bad experience at a church a long time ago. Those people are full of their hypocrites and their gossip and all this horrible stuff. They've got that in their mind. You know what our number one, we, we tell this to our, our purpose team members all the time. 
Our job is to remove the barriers so all people see on a Sunday is Jesus. That's why we dim the lights so that they're not looking around so that people can just focus on God. That's why we give messages a certain way that we do so that people can see Jesus. That's why we have coffee and donuts like everybody does that. But we want people to see Jesus. We remove every barrier that we can. We make it as easy as we can. All you got to do is just show up, man, and, and just be introduced to Jesus. We design church for the unchurched. We want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. That's what we're all about in a nutshell. Here's the thing. Whose destiny are you changing? Whose destiny are you changing? Man, I love Romans 10 because it is sharp. It challenges me personally as well. I love Romans 10, 13 through 15. Here's the most amazing, life-changing news ever, that if you call on Jesus, that's all it takes. You can be a follower of Jesus, but how can people ever call on Jesus unless you tell them? He didn't say unless the pastors tell them. He didn't say unless like missionaries or professional Christians who like know how to pray and know what the Bible says. No, he says you. These were common people he's writing to, just like you. They had families and jobs just like you. And Paul is saying, it is on you. It's on your shoulders. Tell people about Jesus because he changes lives. Whose destiny are you changing? Like sometimes we think, well, man, what if I tell somebody about Jesus and they ask me a question? I don't know. I got news for you. They probably will. Like I've been around this my whole life. I've got master's degree in this stuff. People ask me questions I don't know all the time. And you know what I tell them? I don't know. I don't try to make it up. I don't try to sound smart. Say, yeah, I don't know. But I tell you what, I do know this. I don't have all the answers figured out. I've got some questions of my own. But I know this. Jesus changed my life. And I know he can do that for you as well. That's the answer. It's not like, man, I've got it all figured out. I've got all the answers. No. It's Jesus changed my life, and I know he can change yours too. I was hopeless and helpless, and I didn't know where to turn. My marriage was on the rocks. and Man, I was having issues with my kids or my job. And Jesus changed my life. That's your answer, not some theological debate, because that's not going to get them to Jesus. Just simply saying, man, he changed me. I know he can change you. Who are you telling about Jesus right now? Last week, I shared this with you. Our vision for Pathway from day one has been to reach at least 10% of our community for Jesus. Now, when I say 10%, I'm really thinking kind of all of West OKC metro area, Canadian County. That's a lot of people. But just as a starting point, let's just say 73099 zip code, which is Yukon. Just 73099 zip code population is around 30,000 people. If we want to reach 10% of that, that means we would have a church of 3,000 people. Now, some of you are saying, oh my goodness, 3,000 people. That's a lot. Wow, that's true. You can think that. That's not how I think of it, and I don't think that's how Jesus thinks of it. I think Jesus says, yeah, that's great. You've got 10%. Pat yourself on the back, pour some Gatorade over you, and let's get to work. What about the other 90% that is out there? The other 90% that don't know me? That's who you need to be after. That's who you need to be chasing. Jesus didn't come to save 10%. He came to save 100%. Jesus doesn't just work for 3,000. He works for all 30,000 people. That's my prayer. That's my focus. That's my thought. It's like, yeah, 10%. That's just a starting point. Like, let's go for all 100%. That's the heart of Pathway. You can say, oh, you're after a mega church. I don't care what you say. I'm after all 100%. 10% is just a place to start. How awesome would that be? 
Like that's our prayer. God, let's start with 10% and God, give us the other 90. That's our prayer. That's our focus. I would love to be part of a church like that. And here's the reality. These are statistics that we share every week in, in what we call First Steps. And First Steps is a, is, a, is a class that I teach every week right after our worship experience about how you can grow in your faith. You can be part of the Pathway family. But this is something that we share every week. According to a guy named George Barna, who's a Christian research guru, he said this, as of 2017, just a few years ago, 2017, only 14% of millennials, millennials are people born between about 1980 and 2000, somewhere in there, only 14% of millennials consider themselves practicing Christians. What does that mean? They believe in the Bible. They believe that Jesus, who he says he was, they believe in heaven and hell. They might go to church once a month. Only 14% of millennials consider themselves practicing Christians in Oklahoma City. Not New York, not Miami, not LA, not Seattle, OKC. 14%. If that doesn't grab you by the gut, something's wrong with you. You are dead like don't come back. I'll be honest. Like that should stir you and say, oh my goodness, less than 15% of the people in my city consider themselves practicing Christians. You might think, well, this is the buckle of the Bible belt. Yeah, 30 years ago, but not today. Times are changing. So does, does, does this area need another church? Absolutely. I pray that five more churches come here in Yukon. I pray that we reach 10%. They might reach 10%. The other might reach. That's my prayer. That's what we're all about. I'm going after that 85%. That's what our prayer. Another stat for Canadian County, that's according to citydata.com, is 56% of our county consider themselves, they have no adherence to any kind of religion whatsoever. Not just Christianity, no religion whatsoever. It has grown by 56% in the last 10 years. Here's the cool thing. I'm going to be honest with you. When I read those, I don't get nervous. I don't get scared. I don't think, oh my goodness. Listen, my attitude, unlike I think some Christians, isn't, oh my goodness, what is the world coming to? No, my attitude, oh my goodness, look at what has come into the world. Jesus, hope, and joy, not what's the world coming to. Look at what has come into the world. That is my attitude. I don't look at this and get scared or intimidated. I look at this and say, man, what an awesome time to be alive. I've got a job to do, and I need your help to do it. Let's do it together. Like, you could be scared to say, oh, man, 14%. Oh, my goodness, what about the next generation? Exactly what about the next generation? Whose destiny are you changing? I get excited when I see that in a weird, twisted way because I'm like, there's an opportunity out there. What an awesome time to be alive. I'm glad I don't live in the 1950s where everybody went to church and everything was great and black and white. I'm glad I live in a messed up, broken world that needs the only hope of Jesus Christ. I'm glad I live in 2019. This, the world needs Jesus now more than ever. Oklahoma City needs Jesus now more than ever. I'm so passionate. I sound like a 14-year-old boy going through puberty. So excited. Passionate. Another statistic by a guy named Thomas Rayner, who's a Christian, another Christian research guru, says this. This is so exciting. you got to get this. 82% of the unchurched, people who don't go to church at all, 82% of the unchurched are at least very likely to attend church 
if they're invited. You know what that translates to? Eight out of ten people will come to church if you invite them. Who are you inviting? Who are the ten people you're inviting? Two of them are going to say no. They're boneheads. What about the other eight? They're going to say yes. What are you doing about the other eight? If you believe heaven and hell are real, the church has to grow. You're God's plan A. There's no plan B. What are you doing about it? What am I doing about it? At Pathway, we're all about being externally focused. That's what we live for. Eight out of ten people will come to church if you invite them. Like, we'd love to say, oh, wow, that's surprising. I didn't know that. Yeah, 2,000 years ago, a guy named Paul wrote the same thing to a bunch of Christians in Rome. He said, hey, look, how are they going to know about Jesus unless you tell them? Like, it's nothing new. It's a principle that lasts forever. Eight out of ten will come to church if you invite them. Another statistic that he gives is that 40% of people are more open to matters of faith or Christianity during the Easter holiday season than any other time of the year, even even besides Christmas. Four out of ten people are going to come to church on Easter simply because that's kind of like what you do. Four out of ten. Those are pretty good odds. When I was in school, I would have been happy for four out of ten on some of my grade cards, right? Like, like four out of ten, that's not that bad. And then you got 80% who are going to come if you just invite them. I got news for you. All they're waiting on is you. That's all they're waiting on. They're not waiting on me because I don't know them. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you to say, hey, have you thought about going anywhere for Easter or the day before, the week after, whatever? Man, why don't you come check out Pathway? If you don't like it, that's fine. I'll go with you for the next two weeks. That's all they're waiting on. They're not waiting on Jesus to show up in a piece of bread on their bologna sandwich today. They're not waiting on some vision from heaven or a voice from heaven. They're waiting on you to say, hey, I'd love to tell you about Jesus. Would you come to church? Eight out of ten will say, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll give it a shot. In fact, I say this. Over half of this church, right now people in this room, over half of you are here today because someone else in this room invited you. That's just, I mean, it's, it's a fact. In fact, at the end of this month, we're working on a project that we're going to share with everybody that proves this. I'm not like most pastors where I exaggerate the truth to make me look good. This is, this is a fact. This is true. Over half of our church, it's probably a lot higher than that. Over half of our church is here today because someone else invited them. Not because they heard of how handsome I am and how awesome I am. Not because they heard of how cool our coffee is. No. All they did was just, hey, would you go to church with me? Yeah, I'll check it out. And they stayed. And their life has been changed. Their marriage has been changed. Their kids are changed. Their entire eternal destiny is changed because you invited them. That's the power that you have. You have the power to change the destiny of people around you. People don't know what you don't tell them. This is a fact. People don't know what you don't tell them. That's summarizing Romans chapter 10. You don't tell them about Jesus, they're not going to know about Jesus. Oh, well, we live in America. Everybody knows about Jesus. No, they don't. If they do, it's probably a very twisted, perverted, distorted version of Jesus that Hollywood puts out that's so far from the truth that they just make fun of it. Or maybe it's because they they had a really bad negative experience at the one bad apple church in town, and they think all churches are like that. Like, that's kind of their view. They don't know what you don't tell them. Don't assume they know about Jesus. Don't assume anything. No. All they're waiting on is for you to invite them. Listen, I believe many followers of Jesus do everything else right. I think many followers of Jesus, man, we'll pray every day. We'll read our Bible every day. We might give money to the church, all this cool stuff. 
But this is the one area I think a lot of followers of Jesus really struggle in, telling other people about him. Listen, you can pray five hours a day, and I hope you do, and I think that's great. But unless you're telling other people about Jesus, what good is that, to be honest? Listen, bring people to Jesus. That's what changes lives. If you believe it's real, your mission is too important to ignore. Whose destiny are you changing? Listen, when someone gives their life to Jesus as a result of your invitation, you inviting them to church, or you just talking to Jesus on your lunch break or whatever, when they give their life to Jesus as a result of you inviting them or telling them about Jesus, is the single most greatest, rewarding, high emotional feeling you'll ever have in this life. I guarantee it. I've experienced it. I love it. It is the best feeling ever to say, man, like I had a hand. I didn't do it. Jesus did it. But I had a hand in changing their eternal destiny. It is the greatest feeling ever. I'm encouraging you, be part of that. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Yukon needs you. Oklahoma City needs you. Canadian County needs you right now. How are they going to know unless you tell them? What an incredible message. Thanks again for joining us today here on the Pathway Church Podcast. If you want someone to agree in prayer with you, or if you are looking to take the next step in your relationship with God, please reach out to us by texting PODCAST to 405-400-0339. We can't wait to connect with you. Did you know you can follow along with the sermon notes on our app? Just download the Pathway app by searching Your Pathway Church, all one word, on your iPhone or Android. Then click Sunday Notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram and Facebook at Your Pathway Church. Well, it's been a blast hanging out with you today. See you next week right here for another life-giving message.